Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, ladies and gents. This is Arndt Eriksson, and welcome to the Marketing at Heart podcast. For those of you who have no background on me, I worked in the creative industry for more than two decades, starting off as a classic admin then later moving into the world of social media with focus on strategy and innovation. My passion and purpose is to simplify the complexity of marketing. I'm also the creator of 5 Minute Friday, which is on YouTube every week with now more than a million downloads. But this podcast is all about compelling conversations with inspiring people, with their personal insight and perspectives on everything connected to marketing. In today's episode, we'll have a compelling conversation with the former CEO of Ogilvy PR and talk about social media marketing, Gen Z, and advertising in PR. Currently, he's a partner at Brunswick Group, advising C-suite and board-level clients on how to best utilize digital and other disruptive technologies in their communications. Please join me for a talk with the ever-insightful Marshall Manson. First question, as always, uh, what's your background, both personal and work-wise? Well, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, in the U.S., uh, which is in the South, the Old South. Uh, I grew up eating all kinds of crazy things and listening to all kinds of down-home music. Mm. I went to uh, a small university, uh, and there I started working in U.S. politics. I ran uh, political campaigns in the U.S. for about 10 years. Wow. Uh, and then I moved to Washington, where I got into uh, more honest work, <laughs> uh, which is to say marketing and communications. Um, after a couple of years with uh, an NGO, I worked for a big agency called Edelman. Hmm. They moved me to London in 2008, and I've lived in London ever since. Wow. And I joined Ogilvy, uh, having left Edelman, I joined Ogilvy in 2013. Mm -hmm. And here I am. Here you are. So, so tell me a little bit about Ogilvy and, and your role there. Ogilvy's cool. Um, Ogilvy for me is sort of where the world of marketing communications is going. Mm. We've got an ad agency, we've got a digital agency, we've got people who get direct marketing, we've got a PR agency, we've got a shopper marketing agency, all under one roof, all kind of 
deep specialisms, as we like to talk about it, mm -hmm. um, kind of working together. Mm -hmm. And Ogilvy's been kind of focused on delivering great integrated work for two decades. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of got integrated, I suppose, before anybody quite understood what that was. <laughs> but what's interesting is, you know, in the world around us now, the agency landscape, you know, work is converging. Mm -hmm. um, specialisms are converging. Um, you know, digital agencies are creating great ads. Uh, ad agencies are creating great digital work. PR mm. agencies are creating great ad campaigns. Um, and in a converged world, I really like the idea that uh, Ogilvy, across its family of specialism, still has the deep specialty, but can deliver against kind of any client need, against any consumer need, um, all kind of built on the basis of great ideas, a mm. foundation of great ideas. Mm. Uh, and that, to me, is Ogilvy in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, and then my role is kind of really fun. I, uh, at the moment, sit across Ogilvy Group, uh, looking after social media in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. Mm -hmm. um, which means I sort of get to stick my fingers in any number of pies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's challenging. That's challenging as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I enjoy it, but you're right. It's. Mm. Kind of on any given day, you could be asked about pretty much anything under the sun, mm. which means you really do have to be, uh, uh, I suppose, the old expression, a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, somebody more obnoxious might say knowledge a mile wide and an inch deep, um, but uh, we do our best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so based on your role, uh, well. I, I started to get to know you when you were working for social at Ogilvy. Yep. And now you've kind of moved into a more, like you said, a more cross. Yeah, so just recently I was named CEO of Ogilvy PR London. Mm. So that's me going out of the social discipline, kind of that sort of group role, mm. uh, and taking on a new role which is much more focused on one part of the, of the Marcoms arena. Mm. That's quite interesting to me because the, uh, the world, uh, you know, we talked about convergence. But it's also becoming more, more and more about earned. Mm. You know, needing to earn attention, earn space, mm. earn sharing. Um, and to me, the what the PR world offers us is that great thinking about how to build ideas that really do earn mm. attention and space and sharing and so forth. Hmm. So, how do you think is the best way to engage clients or the client's audience today? That's a great question. I think you have to engage audiences on their terms. Mm. I think you have to understand what interests them, why they behave the way they do, mm. what brings them together, uh, what common interests they have, and then I think you have to create content for them. Mm. I think so often over the last few years especially, you know, people like me whose specialty has been social media, we've been creating lots of brand content. Mm. That is the brand telling a story in the way the brand wants to tell it. I think we drifted a little bit too far away from creating content that's for audiences, mm. something that they'll actually care about. Yep. Um, and I think we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to creating things that people will actually be interested in, mm. uh, as opposed to um, you know just things that the brand wants to say. Yeah. So I remember actually um, the founder of Ogilvy said that if you're going to create something think like it's your, your think of it like you're talking to your wife um, which kind of means that you have to respect the audience and, and kind of not waste the space or waste their time yeah um, how much of the spirit of 
Ogilvy is still at the office or at the company. Oh, massively. I think what you've just described is goes right to the heart of how Ogilvy creates for its clients. Mm. Um, I think there's something else in that quote from David that you just mentioned, which is um, there's also a level of openness and authenticity and familiarity that comes from treating the audience like your spouse or your partner. Mm. Um, and I, that to me, you know, when you think about what sort of content we want to be creating, mm. you know, it got, the word got slightly worn out a few years ago, but authenticity really does have to be the key of what we are and what we do. Mm. I think still even today after, you know, 15 years of the web and 10 years of social, I think not enough brands really understand what makes them authentic. Mm. I think there's still going to there's still a journey for many to get that exactly right. Yeah. Speaking of content, which everyone is talking about at the moment. So what what's your perspective on 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 content marketing? Um, look, I think every brand has to be a publisher to some degree. Mm. I think that's just required. That's sort of in the same way that any brand who wanted to be uh, active in marketing had to have some sort of ad campaign in the past. Mm. I think every brand has to behave like a publisher. But behaving like a publisher has certain uh, tenets that come with it. Mm. Uh, the need to be timely, the need to be relevant, the need to be editorial, um, the need to be creating content, as I said before, that earns attention and earns, earns its share of space, if you like. Mm. And if you earn attention and you earn space, I think you earn scale as well. Um, so from that standpoint, those to me, th those are some of the key principles of content marketing. But I think there's one other thing as well. I think we in, <coughs> in the marketing world, we're creating a huge amount of content. Mm. And a lot of it is garbage. It's, <laughs> and that's not to say it's bad. Mm. It, fundamentally, I'm just saying it's it's waste, mm. it's refuse, um, because nobody cares about it. Mm. Nobody engages with it. Nobody passes it along. Nobody consumes it front to back. Uh, nobody really ever invests thought in it. Mm. And I think to me, the the kind of key message for me in content marketing is um, creating great content that's editorial and timely and relevant and earns attention, as I said but also delivering it to people at a time they actually want it. Mm. Uh, that is a time that's valuable. So for me, it's sort of understanding audience interests and intent. Mm. You know, is this audience, is this group of people kind of ready and interested in what we've got to say? Great, well, let's, let's make sure they hear it. Mm. Um, let's make sure they engage with it. But if they're not, let's not create something just for the sake of creating something. Mm. Um, and in that sense, you know, we've been through a period the last few years, and Lord knows I was one of the, I was one of the. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, advocates for it. We've been through this period of always-on content. Mm. I think we're ready to move past always-on content now. I mm. think we need to be creating content for a purpose, with a purpose. Yeah, yeah. It's. A, I think there's a huge difference between the the quantity of content and then the quality of content, yeah. which we have to get back to. I think. Yeah, agree. Um, another buzzword that that a lot of companies are talking about, and even more now than before, is the the word native advertising. Yeah. Now there's even coming up uh, these ad companies that can generate and create and place native advertising everywhere. Yeah. What's your thoughts about that? Well, I think, <coughs> first of all, native has already become one of those terms that kind of means different things to different people, yeah. which is to say it means nothing at all. <laughs> um, I get really nervous about certain kinds of conversation about native because mm. I think publishers and, and brands as publishers have to be careful on some level to look after their own integrity. Mm. So we can't be washing paid messages through um, media, channels, platforms, sites, whatever, mm. trying to make it look like it's earned or placed or written by someone and actually have it, uh, have it be sponsored. Because mm. that's misleading people. And ultimately, the more you mislead people, uh, the more cynical they become, uh, the less effective it is, and ultimately, the more it's going to come back on the, the people doing it. So that's sort of one reflection on native. But the other reflection on native, I think, to me, is uh, much more important, which is these days, you know, in a world with ad blockers, mm -hmm. right, the stats are now crazy, you know. 50% of web users in Western Europe and the U.S. have some form of ad blocker on their phone or their PC is the last number I saw. Mm. <clears throat> Everybody's got ad blockers. If you want to have content that people are going to see, mm. if you want to earn attention, you've got to be in their feed. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean their Facebook feed. I just mean the feed. <laughs> you know, whatever their feed is, their feed could be the home screen on their phone. It mm. might be their Facebook feed. It might be Twitter. It might be Instagram. Mm. It might be WhatsApp. It might be something else. Um, but you've got to be in their feed. Mm. Um, and the only way to get in the feed is to create that content I was talking about a minute ago. Mm. You know, editorially, timely, relevant, interesting, um, appropriate for the audience, calibrated to their behavior, their interests, their affiliations. If you haven't done that, it's not going to sit in the feed. Mm. And when I talk about earning attention, that's really what I mean. Is it good enough that it can sit in somebody's feed comfortably that they'll actually be interested in it, and they'll ultimately thank you for having it there. Mm. 
that's native working in the right way to me. Yep. And yes, we are going to have to pay as brands. We are going to have to pay to get access to those places. But just paying to get a message through isn't good enough. That's not holding up our end of the bargain. Mm. To hold up our end of the bargain, we've got to not just pay to get it in the feed, but we've got to deliver something that's actually valuable. Mm. Now, valuable can be lot can mean lots of things. It can mean funny. It can mean entertaining. It can mean you know here's a discount on your next purchase. Yeah. But it's got to be valuable in addition to being paid for. Mm. And I think, as we were saying a minute ago, too much of the content that we're creating at the moment is refuse, mm. which means it has no value. Yeah. We've got to get back and focus on that. So when when some something that challenged me many times is is thinking about you know you have we have the the millennials mm. which are kind of the ones that most brands are focusing on and then you have the generation Z that is coming mm. the young ones yep. that kind of have have been in the space of receiving content constantly everything is in their feed and they're kind of they have a different approach and a different attitude to the whole thing yeah uh, they're kind of I don't know. They, they are just used to it, and they kind of filtered it in a different way. Yeah, and I don't think, I, I think, I certainly don't have any real understanding of how the, you know, what the differences are between somebody who's 10 or 11 years old now versus somebody who's, you know, 20. Mm. Um, uh, I think we'll see more of those differences going forward, and I think they're, I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, kind of, <clears throat> the generational qualities mm. that distinguish Gen Z, Z or Z or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Somebody will have a new name for it another day. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested to see what those behavioral qualities look like. Because, mm. of course, I'm an old Gen Xer now. Mm. And, you know, they're, they're, you talk about all the differences between us and the Gen Y or the millennial group. Mm. They were born 80, 80 to 95. So now you've got... Um, uh, you've got the next generation that's sort of now coming out of school and mm. beginning to enter the consumer marketplace, and it's going to be interesting to see how they behave. Yeah. I don't think we have a clear picture of that yet. I certainly don't. But, you know, if you think about the dynamics of them growing up, mm. <coughs> it's not like millennials. Millennials grew up with the web. <laughs> okay. Um, Gen Zers or Zers or whatever they are, they haven't just grown up with the web. They've grown up, grown up immersed in the web. Mm. Um, you know, they've grown up with mobile phones and smartphones as a part of their life continuously. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm increasingly conscious that, yeah, I'm old. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm now that guy who's sort of out of touch and doesn't really understand what the kids are up to these days. Mm. <clears throat> we'll, we'll need some data to figure it out for sure, but... Um, it's going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be radically different, and it's going to keep getting different. Mm. True. Um, so, your thoughts about social business marketing? So, for all these brands that are kind of, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you know I, we've we've spent a long time now getting to grips with how social media fits in a business context, mm. fits in a marketing context. Um, and for me, the answer to being successful in it is is actually really simple. Mm. It's focus on on what you're trying to achieve, not just in social media, but for the business. Mm. So rather than answering the question, how many likes do we want, or how many shares do we want, or how big do we want our community be, mm. 
actually, let's answer the question, why are we doing this in social media? What is it that we're trying to achieve for our business? And then just as importantly, what's the value we can bring to people as we interact with them? Mm. So if we answer those two questions with real specificity um, and then stay laser focused on three or four key things that we think we can do for the business um, and stay focused on what it is, that w the value that we're trying to offer uh, to our audiences, actually we're going to get to much better, more relevant, more interesting programming. Mm. And uh, you know, I'm working with a retailer at the moment where the business objectives are straightforward. We need to raise brand awareness in our new markets especially. We need to drive advocacy, yep. And we need to drive footfall in the stores. Mm. Those are business objectives. There's nothing social media about those. But when you start applying the principles of social media to those business objectives, it becomes really easy to tell if you're moving the lever or not. Mm. And so when you view it that way, <clears throat> then actually connecting kind of what you're doing in social back to the business's uh, needs mm. becomes much easier. Yeah. And you wind up delivering grown-up social programming that actually affects bottom line. And then kind of extending beyond that, you say, okay, if we're going to affect bottom line, what is it that we need? What do we need to do organizationally? Well, and you start having conversations that are much more than marketing. You start having conversations with legal departments over policies and how we communicate and who we interact with and how we leverage and mobilize employees. You start talking about talking with HR departments about your employer brand because if people won't work with you then they were not going to buy your product or if people won't buy your product then they're not going to work with you. Mm. So you know brand and employer need become much more closely related and of course it's much easier to recruit in social than it is in almost any other platform online or off. You wind up having conversations with your customer service people if you have customer service people. Because actually, you know, three quarters of the inbound in your Twitter feed, your Facebook page, and whatever else is going to be people who need help. Mm. And you want to be in a position to help them and do that authentically. Mm. Um, so you have to figure all these things out. It becomes a really interesting kind of structural and organizational challenge that a lot of people in marketing just don't want to take on. Mm. And that's cool. Um, but if you want to be a social business, that is to say you want to be a business that is authentic and engages with people successfully and earns attention and earns space and earns scale, then you're going to have to start thinking through some of these, some of these challenging questions. But the promise is if you can do that, even if you can do it halfway, even if you can begin iterating your way to a solution, you can genuinely deliver real business results, real positive effect for your, for your company. Mm. Great. So, final question, um, which I, I, I always look forward to is, uh, so what inspires you? Where do you find inspiration? Um, in a word, discovery. Mm. I love learning new things. Mm. I love experiencing new things. I love running into things accidentally and seeing a solution to a problem I didn't even know was there. Discovery is why I get out of bed every day. That's mm. why I go to work. That's why I work in this industry. Um, it's a constant process of learning something new, mm. uh, of improving ourselves, of improving what we do, of learning new things, of applying new technologies to client problems. Mm. That's what inspires me. Yeah. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. 
flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.